From the classroom to the cornfield, journalism to SEC athletics, the University of Missouri works 52 weeks a year, every year. This is Inside Mizzou, real stories, real discoveries, and real impact of the Mizzou community. Today's episode is called Student Success. Moving to a new city, meeting new people, entering a new academic or work environment, these are situations that all of us encounter throughout life. And while they are often exciting, they also come with some degree of uncertainty or anxiety. Joining Chancellor Cartwright today are Brandon Orr, former assistant teaching professor in educational school and counseling psychology, and Summer Collins, a recent MU graduate who earned her Master's of Education in Counseling Psychology with an emphasis on sports psychology. We're here to talk about how uncertainty and fear impact our lives and why learning to confront these emotions is an important step towards success, especially student success. Thank you all for being here today. So Chancellor Cartwright, the college experience is a pretty unique one in that a lot of students going to college or graduate school are embarking on this new and kind of exciting but also kind of fearful journey as well. Uh, how does fear influence the student experience? You know, I think anytime you go into any new experience, you're always a little nervous about it. You're afraid of some things that could happen. And I think a lot of students that come to college, uh, uh, they have that fear that they may not succeed academically, uh, also may not succeed socially. And uh, that's, a, that's something that over time they'll be able to work through and recognize that they're here for a reason. Uh, they deserve to be here. They can, you know, do as well here as they, they've done in high school. And it just will take them time to start uh, overcoming that fear of, of failure. It really is about thinking that you're going to fail in, in those areas. Um, I, I, when I think about how important that is to us as an institution, uh, students uh, succeed when they feel that they can succeed. And having that positive outlook and that you deserve to be here, you're a member of this community, and that you certainly will do as well as anybody else at the institution uh, makes for a, a big difference in the outcomes uh, for, for all academically. Going off of that student mm -hmm. experience, Brandon, you actually teach a class mm -hmm. that kind of helps students confront that idea of fear. And it's something I wish I knew existed because I really want to take this class. Right. So can you tell us a little bit more about that class? Yeah, it's it's um, a doctoral and master's level sports psychology course. It's applied sports psychology. And the idea, obviously, is we know that the sport environment has a, a manner of impacting mm -hmm. athletes yeah. on a psychological level. Mm -hmm. uh, obviously, it impacts them on a physical level, but on a psychological level, too. So really, I, I, we all come at this with just a wonderment. Like, what is this context of sport, this contextual environment, what's it going to do to them? It might pull out the fear, mm -hmm. and that's a deep one, because what's the narrative that's driving that fear? Are they using the outcome for self-worth? Are they using the outcome for mm -hmm. identity? Are they using the outcome for some acceptance that outside of themselves? So they've added something to mm -hmm. performance that isn't naturally there and we see it every day with the athletes that we work with so in that course and really programmatically we're big on acceptance acceptance commitment therapy mindfulness acceptance commitment mm -hmm. so it is I think absolutely that 
you deserve to succeed. Mm -hmm. But I also think there's a critical juncture there of it's okay to fail. Right. I agree with that. Right? Yeah. Totally. That's, I think, where we really have to kind of thrive in terms of how we're serving students. It's okay to fail. It's just data for the next attempt, for the next performance. Um, And that class is really just about addressing that. And what better way to do that than to put somebody up on a 10-meter platform and (laughs) commit? (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's interesting, Brandon, should mention that. And and uh, the failure, the acceptance of failure is incredibly important in so many ways. Uh, It's how you innovate. Uh, I tell people all the time Mm. in my research Mm. that, uh, you know, being a researcher, you're failing 90-some percent of the time. It's what do you do with that failure? How do you move forward? How do you improve? And and that's one of the things that's key to that. So and being willing to accept failure is a huge part of what we can do for, to help our students move forward. No doubt, no doubt. I mean, if you think about when you look at CVs, yeah. you know, the, the, there's the obviously the publication, but there's the in press, yeah. and then there's the submitted review yeah. editing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, it, a it lot of it. It's a natural <laughs> course of what we do. That's right. Yeah. Summer, you took Brandon's class. So do you mind telling us a little bit more about that experience of taking that class? Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things Brandon is great about is figuring out ways for students to understand beyond the theoretical, because it's so easy for us to sit and talk about the physiological experience of Mm -hmm. fear or how fear impacts cognitive processing. It's very different to feel it ourselves and feel that impact and figure out how we as an individual have to be able to work through that, because it's much easier to explain to somebody something you've already done yourself. Mm -hmm. Trying to explain something that you don't fully understand um, comes off as disingenuous Mm -hmm. and is very, very hard to do well. So um, having the opportunity to be able to experience that fear pretty severely up on that 10 meter platform um, really helped for me to be able to explain to athletes and even non-athlete clients, um, you know, how, how they might try to approach that fear and work through it themselves. Going off of what you said, you said the 10-meter platform, right? Yeah. Can you go more into detail about facing that fear of jumping off the high dive? (laughs) Because I can't even imagine doing that. I think I would just run away and just go down. But yeah, can you tell me a little bit more about that? There was absolutely a little voice in my head that was saying, you could just turn around. Um, <laughs> and that's a part matter. of I would have listened to it. <laughs> See, I would have, yeah, there's a part of that, that that you have to deal with that little voice because we're all going to yeah. naturally have that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, what, what do you listen to when it's important and what do you decide it's not important? Um, I had a moment, so th- this began um, weeks and weeks before we actually showed up at the 10 meter platform. We were doing exercises um, to create a pre-performance routine to help us mentally get into a space where listening to that little or ignoring that little voice was a lot easier than it would be normally. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and where we were really paying attention to our performance and the specific aspects of our performance to be able to jump off. And for us, it was just a little hop. Um, you know, for <laughs> divers, it's a very complex series of moves that they're going through off of that platform. So um, it began weeks before and developing this pre-performance routine. So once you get up to the 10 meter platform, you've got a narrative in your head of what you're going through and what steps you need to take. Um, For me, I got up to that 10 meter platform and what had been a little tightness in my hip, all of a sudden my brain was going, 
this hurts. I could hurt myself. I don't think I can do this. I don't think this is a good idea. And it was literally just a little tightness in my hip from working out a little too hard Mm -hmm. that morning and nothing that was going to hurt me. So I, in the process of going through this routine, uh, Brandon said, just do it as we've always done it. Same thing. And I looked at him and said, "I, I can't because if I do the exact same thing I've done before, I'm not gonna be able to do it because I've got this voice going on. And so I stepped back, um, I did a couple of minutes of mindfulness, I mm-hmm. sat down um, just to be able to kind of recenter my thoughts, figure out, is this really a pain that I need to pay attention to? Or is this my body just like amplifying that voice, that fear? And so um, realized it was just that fear that was going on. It didn't really hurt, it wasn't gonna bother me. Um, got up, went, started that routine, that pre-performance routine that we'd worked on so many times uh, um, over again. And then ran off and jumped. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I, <laughs> <laughs> that was a lot to even hear. That wasn't even <laughs> I know that Summer touched on this a little bit, um, but Brandon and, and Chancellor Cartwright, mm-hmm. how is a course about overcoming fear so integral to student success in general? When you were saying that whole process of realizing that voice in your head could easily just be muted, how is that? Yeah. How does that benefit students? Mm. Uh, I'll go ahead, Brandon. Yeah, yeah. I always liken it to a grocery store, and we would never. All of us have done it. We've gone to a grocery store when we're hungry. It's the worst time to go to the grocery store. Yeah. Mm. Nutty yep. bars, Doritos, Twizzlers, Dr Pepper, M M&M, and M, microwave pizzas, popsicles. It all just jumps in the cart because it all sounds good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We're not using any kind of judgment or um, any type of like prejudicial curriculum or content for whether or not that should go in my mm-hmm. cart. That's a really awful way to think about our brains and we do it all the time. Because we have a thought, we think it's true. So I think that the, the, in a lot of what we try to do in the program, certainly with this exercise and with the work with athletes, is a thought is just a thought. It's not good, it's not bad, it's not right, it's not wrong, it's not positive, it's not negative, it's just a thought. Um, So for students, this fear of the GPA, and I may not get into journalism, I may not get into calm. If I don't get into calm, I'm 60 plus hours in, I'll Mm -hmm. have to do gen studies. It's just a thought. What's the goal? What's the value? What do you quote unquote want to stand for? And it sounds like a bumper sticker, it sounds cliche, but accepting that fear Mm -hmm. and accepting that worse possible outcome in a lot of ways is liberating um, and it's rooted in this fact that it's just a thought mm-hmm. that's it that's all it is it doesn't have to be true yeah I, I mean I, I would agree with that I think you know uh, uh, I often talk to students and some students talk about um, the anxiety of test uh, mm-hmm. being nervous about the tests and not being good test takers and then there are others who are really good at, at the test taking and, and what's interesting to me is I, I had a lot of friends who were very well prepared for the test but they'd go into the test and just not perform at the same level uh, as, uh, as others and it really has to do with that ability to block out all of that thought process and understand that you've done everything you need to do mm-hmm. you're ready you have to go in there and you have to focus on what's going on I, I didn't realize it until I started looking into mindfulness that when I was in in school one of the things that I was really good at was being mindful while when taking test <laughs> mm-hmm. and the only thing that I would think about when taking a test is the test mm. Mm. nothing that's elite, else by nothing the way. else I mean that's 
yeah. That's elite. Yeah, and it was interesting because then it really, all of that, I, I was able to just focus on it. And I could tell you that outside of the test, I probably wouldn't be able to solve some of those problems as easily, but during the test, I could. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think that's what it takes is that ability to just block out a lot of other things, focus on what you need to accomplish, and just do it. The, the cool thing is that that's a skill. Like for yeah, you, you it, was, yeah. it was innately high. Yeah. Um, yeah. For that person whose narrative is, I'm just not good at tests, yeah. that will remain true. Yeah. Every time you bomb a test, that's going to be the yes. truth. Mm. And yeah. you can't really have a different thought till you have a different experience. Correct. And so yeah. this is that rub that we try to, like, okay, well, yeah. what goes in line with having a successful test? Yeah. And it's, I've studied, yeah. I've prepared, yeah. so go and perform. Uh, and now you've got a new, hopefully, new successful outcome. Yeah to counter the narrative of, yeah. I'm not a good test taker. Yeah, and I was yeah. I was always, as a student, very big on having my mind settled before a test, so I didn't like to study the day of a test. I studied, you know, I'd look at things the night before, the day of the test, I'd just relax, do other things, and then go take the test. Yeah. Um, because I always felt that that extra time just confused things if I started to look at it then. Yeah. I, I didn't yeah. want to do that, right. so yeah. Well, you bring up an excellent point and something that segues really great into my next question. But what are some strategies uh, that you use to comfort and combat fears that you have personally? Like I can start with, I have a huge fear of lizards. I really hate lizards. I don't know why. If they're around to me, yeah. I will run the other way. And the yeah. thing is, what I do is whenever I see one, I just stare at it. Because I just like, if the more I stare at it, the more I feel like it's not going to do anything mm -hmm. to me. And it's just a small little thing. Yeah. And that's just a way that I combat that fear. So what are some examples from each of you about how to combat fear? Well, I mean, I'd, I'll say, you know, one thing is uh, I'm, I'm afraid of heights. Uh, I really am. Right. And I, I've always have been. Um, but there's certain heights I'm not afraid of. Like, I think I, I could probably do the 10 meter jump into the water because I grew up around water mm -hmm. and it doesn't frighten me that you'd do that into water. Mm -hmm. um, but if it's a ground, then I'm a little more worried. <laughs> solid ground. Um, solid logic. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, but, but I get that way even with just going up ladders. And, you know, you, you have to really just keep reminding yourself that, um, for me, it's, it's reminding myself that that's an unreasonable fear is that if everything is okay with the ladder, then I'll be fine, um, but just to be careful in, in doing it. Um, so it's it's that really getting yourself uh, over that. But it's it's not easy. I, I overcoming a fear that you have is is really difficult. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Summer, do you want to go? Yeah. Um, so I'm afraid of embarrassing myself in social situations. Yeah. Um, that's and so one. Yeah. you know when <laughs> I meet people, I'm very <laughs> guarded. I try to present myself yeah. as mm -hmm. this perfectly polished professional, and I'm silly. You get to know me for five <laughs> seconds. I'm silly and I like to laugh. Um, and so for me, a lot of it is just recognizing that I can either be authentic with people and be my silly self. And if that bothers them, that bothers them. Mm -hmm. Or I can present myself as this perfectly polished professional. And then I have to keep up yeah. that mm -hmm. attitude forever as yeah. long as I'm around this person. Yes. <laughs> and, you know, for me, it just becomes a choice of what, you know, what do I want to spend my effort on? Do I want to spend it on this facade or do I want to be me and be silly? Yeah relate to that yeah yeah i think mine's a little more dr phil <laughs> mine's mediocrity yeah like mm -hmm. i fear the feeling and self-judgment of mediocrity it's not what others will think of me mm -hmm. uh, it's more how i regard myself and 
what I've learned at this point is there is no counter to that. It, it, I've accepted at this point that I'm mediocre. Mm. If it's normative, mm. if I compare myself to Chancellor Cartwright, mediocre. If I compare myself to Wendy Ranke and Keith Herman and Lisa Flores and Matt Martins and Chris Riley Tillman, mediocre. But if I compare myself to just my values, like this is what I believe in, this is what I want to live for in yeah. terms of maximum effort and commitment and Correct. and uh, unrelenting dedication and obligation to students and helping athletes win national championships and helping uh, the military be mm. as efficient and excellent at what they do then in that regard I can base myself on my effort mm -hmm. and on my commitment mm -hmm. and not on an outcome there's no publication or Ironman mm -hmm. triathlon or career award or even you know somebody that I'm helping their outcome They're, it's never going to address the, the narrative of mediocrity mm -hmm. so I base it off of commitment acceptance and just trying to practice what I preach truly mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. fascinating. Little Dr. Phil. <laughs> yeah, that's fascinating. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much for being here today. Uh, it was a very enlightening conversation and one that I'm definitely going to use in my everyday life <laughs> of combating fear. But one thing before we leave, what did the triangle say to the circle? What's your angle here? Oh, oh, oh that, that is a good, good one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it is. <laughs> You're pointless. Oh. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs>